is the Trivium Dad Podcast. My name is Nick, and welcome. Dearest listeners, I'm here to ask for your support, not your financial support. It would be great if you could donate. It would help support the Trivium Dad podcast and Upward Enrichment Service. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, then leave a review because it will help other people find the show. And two, tell a friend about the show. Or better yet, tell a whole bunch of friends. Thank you. This program may contain strong languages and topics that might not be suitable for all listeners. So here's the big question. Should I send my son to school? A decision that my wife and I have been thinking about for the last six weeks. It's not an easy decision. You know, when it looks at remote learning versus in-person You know, I'm not a fan of remote learning. I know that it was implemented because of the pandemic. Board of Education in New York did the best job they could to try to accommodate teachers, parents, and students. And when I started to look at the online platforms, initially they were using Zoom. Then it went to Google Classroom. I have children uh, ranging from 14, 12, and 9. My older son, he figured it out. He's pretty smart and savvy when it comes to technology. He was able to easily decipher and understand what was required of him. My middle son, not so much. He didn't pick it up as quickly. He didn't understand how the lessons were going into the calendar. He didn't realize that he had to log in to meet his teachers And I started to realize it because when I looked into pupil path, I saw his grades were like low 70s. And I started to send a whole lot of emails to his teachers like, what's going on? What's up with his grades? He's telling me he's doing this remote learning, but he's almost close to failing. The teachers responded back. No, he hasn't been logging in. He hasn't been doing any of the work. I've had long conversations with his teachers and and he just didn't understand. He thought he was doing everything right. And I personally had to hold his hand, quote unquote, to make sure that he was, you know, following the plan. And eventually he brought his average up to 85, 90, but he's he's pretty smart and he didn't get it. I have a nine year old son and He was crying every day. He just didn't like logging in to Google Meet. He didn't like being expected to do the reading lessons and the math lessons, which didn't make any sense because you could easily submit wrong answers. The system was pretty glitchy, and I reported that. And I remember when we were talking to his teacher, I was pretty upset I was almost belligerent, but I'm like, you you don't meet with him every day. How do you expect him to know what to do? And I pretty much went off on her. 
And I was wrong to do that, but I'm like, what could you expect? He's in third grade. He doesn't understand this. I'm not a teacher by nature. I don't get this. I appreciate what you do as a teacher, but you can't expect me to teach him the curriculum. I don't know it. My wife doesn't know it. We could follow along, but only to a certain degree. You know, it was unfair to criticism, but I needed to express that so she could express it to the administration. It was something that needed to be done. And I noticed, you know, she was teaching more with the videos and making sure that we had better communication. This is why when it came to, you know, planning for the fall cycle, you know, New York is trying to reopen on September 10th. I'm still, this is, you know, right now, August 28th, and I still don't feel confident with the schools being open in. One month prior, on July 16th, I attended the New York City DOE Town Hall for parents about reopening schools and remote learning. And I mean, during this unprecedented time, Chancellor Richard Carenza spoke about developing a blended learning plan to resume schools. And during the presentation, as 29,000 viewers was watching on a, a Zoom live stream, guess what happened? The video went down. I was simply amazed. My jaw dropped seeing a message stating, you had lost your way. Let us find what you are looking for. There's an image, and then there's the image of a man with a telescope, and I'm thinking this is like the perfect metaphor of where we are going for the upcoming school year. They can't even get the technical right in their own town hall. Imagine if you're a poor student, you don't have, you have sporadic internet connections, and you're trying to do this remote learning. How are you going to do it? You have a computer that's 10 years old. How are you going to make this computer work? This is the DOE, and their video is dropping with close to 30,000 viewers on. That is insane. I just couldn't get it. New York City, the largest in the country with 1.1 million students, is the only one planning to open up its doors to a schedule, to a, this hybrid schedule. I just don't understand. In which it's trying to split a cohort of students attending on alternate days to allow space for such things as social distancing while remote learning continues at the same time. How confusing is that? So you got to go to school one day as a kid, and then you got to be home one day doing the virtual learning. And then you got to try to blend this all together to try to learn and to try to keep your grades up. This is hilarious to me. I want to play a clip from PIX11. It's an interview of Richard Carranza as he discussed reopening schools in the fall. Listen to this. Before I get into the nitty gritty details of the actual plan, I want to get your take on this. Over the weekend, the governor criticized New York City schools for submitting an outline rather than a detailed plan. I want to give you the chance to respond to the governor. Yeah, so first and foremost, Dan, uh, listen, we have done an incredible job in New York because we haven't politicized mask wearing. We've done everything the the medical professionals have asked us. Coming back to school is going to be the same thing. We need your cooperation. If your child is sick or feeling sick, keep them home. 
I want to stop it right there. So how are we supposed to know if our child is sick, if they have COVID-19 or they have a cold or they're going to catch the flu? Children don't really tell you what's going on. So what are we supposed to do? What the hell? I have no clue. Like, what is this guy talking about? If your kid is sick, I'm supposed to determine on the spot that he is well and that he could go to school. I wonder how many parents are doing that and what they're trying to figure out their jobs at home. They they're rushing to do what they need to do. You think they they're going to find time, especially if they have multiple kids to say, hey, you look good. You could go to school. They will still be able to have remote learning. Now, if, if a child gets sick in school or an adult uh, in a classroom, those students in that classroom and the teacher uh, will quarantine for 14 days in one case. Okay. If there are two cases in separate classrooms in a building, <laughs> then the entire school will be shut down for 24 hours. The test and trace detectives will do their work and then we will notify the so- families when we'll How are you monitoring all of that? Because we had the teachers union on. They had some concerns. There's been these reports of you don't have enough nurses to actually monitor. The ventilation systems in so many schools is old and not updated. And there's also a possibility of a teacher shortage. The reporter hit a lot of questions, something that needs to be unpacked. Ventilation systems, teachers, budgets. That's a lot to think about. So how do you maintain the safety of everybody with those three obstacles in your way? So we're working uh, very closely with the, the teacher union and the administrators union. In fact, we have a working session today. So we're, we're chugging through every single one of those detailed questions. Now, the nursing question, we are actively working right now with uh, City Hall around solving that particular issue as well. Uh, and the, 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 the personnel issue is also something that we're tackling. But when, you have those, that is good. when you have those issues, so Chancellor... Anyone- and, and you look at cities yeah. like L.A., Miami, Houston, Chicago, D.C., they've halted and gone remote learning. Is there a possibility of saying maybe we're not ready? Well, look, all of those cities have community transmission in, in, in the high uh, single digits. That's not what the reporter asked. Is there a possibility that we're not ready? Yeah, there is a strong possibility that we're not ready. Sometimes in double digits, we are hovering between one and two percent. Now, should and the mayor has been very clear, the state has said five percent rolling average. We've said three percent. So the mayor and I will not hesitate to close down in-person learning and transition to full remote learning if our indicators start ticking upwards. Right now, they're holding steady. Okay. So that's why we're 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 moving full steam ahead for a September launch of in-person learning. Uh, Now, I want to get to your message for parents. We had this parent advocate from the Bronx that we spoke to last week. She told us that schools in her district are not ready to open. They've been disinfected. Ventilation systems haven't been upgraded, like I mentioned. But you want to address some of those concerns for those parents. So walk me through what you... In fact, those schools all have been disinfected. They're going to be disinfected again. In fact, we're in the middle of doing that. As we speak, ventilation systems are being upgraded, uh, and they're being upgraded to the highest standard that, that, that exists on the market. That is happening as we speak. Uh, in addition to that, electrostatic uh, disinfectors uh, have now arrived. They're being uh, they're being deployed to school buildings as okay. we speak. Uh, 
Tons of PPE and disinfectant are arriving on a daily basis. We're going to be providing that to schools. So we are actively preparing for what an in-person learning experience will look like. So for parents, listen, I understand. I'm a parent myself. I get it. Uh, but there is a process. There is a, a huge effort that is being made to be sure that we're ready for uh, the start of in-person learning. And uh, let me just assure you that health and safety will always come first. And we will not put our students or our staff uh, in harm's way uh, for in-person learning. As a parent listening to Chancellor Carranza speak, this is a man that makes $350,000 a year. He leads the DOE with 1.1 million students. And I just don't feel any presence of leadership. And I don't feel like we have any sense of direction. You know, personally, I've seen this man many times. And I just feel like he has an arrogant persona. And he surrounds himself with yes people in the higher echelon to the DOE, where it's documented he gave significant pay rate increases just recently. I don't feel like he can handle criticism. It feels like he has a very thin skin. It even showed in 2019 as he walked out of a Queens town hall with parents in Bayside following a report of sexual and physical violence. How do you walk out of something like that? He just has a history of not leading by example, not being able to take criticism. The blended learning plan that he's talking about is obviously incomplete. It did not talk about school safety measures. You talk about square feet. What does that mean? Where's the plexiglass at? You said there's tons of personal protective equipment. Are you sure about that for every school, especially in the poor districts? I'm sure the the ones in the affluent areas have a lot of PPE, but our schools, even in my district, do they have it? I don't know about that. What about what the teachers want? Don't you think the teachers are worried about splitting their time between virtual and in-class learning? You don't think they care about the ventilation systems, given that these systems are probably 50 years old, if I had to guess, and the windows don't open up properly? And the schools are engulfed with scaffolding and netting. What about when you dropped your kids off at school? That bottleneck that's always at the front entrance. What about the security guards that have to work in the janitors? As a parent, you know, when you got small children, you think they're going to know what the hell social distancing is? Come on, give me a break. I don't think he would send his own kids to school you ask me he just wants to make a career and I just don't understand why school is you know why they're so adamant to reopen school on September 10th what's the rush why can't we wait and I saw the plans I saw I saw the PowerPoint presentation the plan is too convoluted it's complex whenever I see a plan that cannot be simplified for everyone to understand It's just purposefully designed to falsely portray a solution. (laughs) I just know that they have no clue what to do. They're just hoping for the best. You know, whatever happens, they're just going to have, they're going to live with it. That's how they feel. But they're putting a lot of people in harm's way.
And like the chancellor said in that interview, you know, schools cannot reopen if the percentage of positive tests is equal to or more than 3%. But who is keeping these statistics? Are the percent higher in, uh, in lower income areas versus high income in areas? Like, what does this mean? This is a city, this is a nation that is notorious for income disparity. Calculating the threshold, uh, the way in which the wide variation in results among neighborhoods occur. Uh, is You think people, people that come from poor areas are going to go get tested? The statistics are controlled. It's just not an accurate measure. I want to play a clip from The Intercept of what teachers around the nations feel about reopening schools in the fall. No way that they have not done some sort of projection of how many people will get sick and how many people will die if we reopen the building. I'm dying to know what that number is um, because it, it can't be zero. I don't want to teach on the screen. With pre-K children, I mean, they're in a window like this, no camera like this. They're, they're not focused. It is, a, it is a horrible situation. But I'd rather have them in that situation than them to be dead. If there's one child, one teacher, one custodian, one administrator that loses their life, that is one too many. And the decision keeps getting delayed. Um, all we can hope for is that we will have direction, and that direction will be the right choice, which is 100% virtual until it's safe. Today's action is highlighting some of the current safety concerns that existed in our buildings um, before the pandemic. In addition to the extra precautions we would need to be safe in a pandemic, we have all these other baseline concerns that have not been addressed for years. And I think, unfortunately, or fortunately, the pandemic has brought to light a lot of these inequities, and our kids deserve a lot better than they've been getting. Schools, because they don't have HVAC systems, and we have uh, poor ventilation, we already lack soap, hand sanitizer, paper towel on a steady basis. So the, all those deficits are going to be exacerbated because of COVID-19. So here alone, their ventilation system is very poor. Classrooms don't have functional AC or heating. The water fountains don't work. Their bathrooms, staff and students, are without soap and paper towels. And there are no touch-free soap or paper towel dispensers at this particular school. There should be no reason why teachers have to come to your doorstep. You should be coming to us. Why aren't we at the table? You go to ill-prepared buildings first and try it out. You go into a building with no PPE. You are not the one that is going to teach in a middle school with windows that do not open. I feel like I'm trying to convince you that our lives are worth living. Only when it is safe will you go into work. Only when it's safe, we will then go to work. Come down and speak to us. Thank you. These are basic questions, not technical ones. How will we ensure that we have the necessary PPE? Who's going to pay for it? How will we ensure social distancing occurs outside the classroom? 
Are teachers expected to balance the requirements of teaching both in person and online simultaneously? What if we have pre-existing conditions and health risks? What if we are taking care of those who are most at risk for COVID? We have no answers to the most basic, straightforward questions, despite having asked them in every form we could think of. Only when it's safe. Only when it's The teachers are frustrated. The parents are frustrated. You hear what they have to say. Ventilation is poor. It's always been poor. I've been in these schools. It's hard to breathe. And I'm in pretty decent shape. A lot of these teachers have pre-existing conditions. They may have asthma. They may be going through uh, cancer treatment. They may have physical disabilities. How are they supposed to endure and to try to teach when they're worrying about their lives and the lives of the people that live in their household? They're thinking about soap. Will they have soap dispensers? Will they have hand sanitizers? They're already thinking that there's going to be no PPE in their schools. You could hear their concern. They're almost begging for their lives. It's sad, and it seems almost like a paradox because Chancellor Richard Carenza is confident that we could open up schools. But how could that be when there's no funding or when the funding was slashed? Earlier this year, it was projected that New York was going to lose $9 billion because of the shutdown. And that impacted the New York uh, budget. $182 million was cut from the DOE. While the loss is not as large as anticipated, the education department budget is still set to lose nearly $405 million over the course of two years. It's funny because in a, in a quote from Chancellor Richard Carenza, he states, We are dependent on state and federal leaders to come through for us, he wrote. We cannot bear the burden alone. One of the biggest cuts to the education budget is a $40 million cut to school allocation memorandums, which allow principals to use money for what they need at their schools. So think about that. How can a principal uh, help their teachers if they don't have the money to buy uh, what will make them, what will make the school safe for the teachers, for their students? What will happen when they run out of PPE? If the if the DOE's budget was cut drastically, I wouldn't say gut it. You know, even with the blended learning plan, teachers, you know, they, they know that they don't have the staff to support it. If your kid is disabled, you know, it's the law to have two teachers in the classroom. How are you going to support this blended model? You could just look at everything and just tell that everything is just haphazard. That it's almost, um, I don't want to say it, but it's like, it's fraudulent. This is, somebody has to be accountable. And nobody's going on the hook to be accountable if every, anything goes wrong. It's like they're going to put their hands up and say, oh, well, it's a pandemic and we did the best we can. We, it's out of our hands. That's how it feels like to me. The school plan does not factor in equality. 
He doesn't look at the social, emotional, and financial conditions of children living in poverty. The funding is not there. You can only hope that city and state legislators will step in to somehow magically find the money to give to the DOE. So if you don't have the money and you obviously don't have the plan, why are you forcing schools to open on September 10th? If everything goes wrong, who's going to be held accountable? I haven't heard that yet. A teacher in the clip brought up a pretty interesting fact. He said, where's the statistics of what you project people dying? Somebody had to do that projections. Where is that statistic? And if you didn't do that, then that shows and speaks volumes. Why can't you partner with businesses in the community? Enrichment programs that could, you know, assist in learning and providing social and emotional support. It doesn't seem like you're listening to the teachers. Are you listening to the parents? I was on that Zoom call and nobody could even put their questions into the Zoom chat feature. I did not understand that. Why were you not taking the questions? Yes, it would have been overwhelming, but you had a chance to keep a repository of information. And you didn't. You didn't listen to any of our concerns. You're obviously not listening. You and the mayor, Mayor de Blasio, are not listening. Governor Cuomo was highly critical of schools, NYC schools opening up on September 10th. It is discouraging and it forces parents to make a decision that is not fully vetted. During this pandemic, I worry about my own mental health, but I also worry about my kids' mental health. The lack of socialization Constantly just being in the house, not going out, not being a kid. And it just pains me because I don't think I can make the right choice. I don't have the confidence in the New York City administration. I just think they're out of touch. They're just providing the chancellor a circle of insulation from the public. They they are insensitive. They're They're great at sitting down and writing a whole lot of bullshit. But when you have principles, I know of the principles that have run my children's schools and they're they're excellent. But when you have variables that are constantly changing, when principals don't know, you know, what their staffing level is going to be, when they don't know how they're going to protect themselves, their students, their the parents. How can they feel confident in their course of action? It's it's a pretty it's a pretty bad situation. I pray that it doesn't get worse. Pray that nobody loses their lives because of being I guess Having this shoved down your throat becomes a catch-22. How do you win? I don't, 
I don't think anybody's going to win. I remember today reading a story that Mexico has decided to uh, teach classes using television. I thought it was such a brilliant idea because in Mexico, the vast majority of folks don't have internet connection, but 95% of their population has a TV. As I read the article, it made perfect sense to me because why not put it on TV in the U.S.? Have your best teachers teaching the course from kindergarten all the way up to 12th grade and then incorporate the technology in which the teacher could say, yes, this was playing on TV today for kindergarten and I want to develop a lesson plan on Google Meet and to develop assignments based on what was taught on the television. It will free up teacher's time because they don't have to teach The television's on. That lesson could be recorded and sent. Students could see it. And the technology when it comes to reading plans and mathematics and science could be tailored to the lesson of the day. And it seems so simple, but it was so brilliant. And it's like other countries who we look at and we say we're better than them. They're proving that we're just worse that's why our educational system is going going in the shithole. This is why if you don't have the resources and if you can't put your kids in enrichment programs, if you if you have to struggle and get by in life, there's going to be this income inequality and it's going to continue and it's going to get worse. It's going to affect everybody. It's just it's just sad. It's just sad that we got people in positions that are not thinking and they're just coming up with bullshit and expecting us to just swallow it. Not realizing that we see through what they're doing. This just shows the lack of national leadership. It shows the lack of leadership in New York City. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just a simple man. I'm a parent. I don't have all the answers. I just feel if you don't have the money, if you don't have the confidence and you don't see people wanting to be accountable, if you see all of these people talking about their concerns and you could tell that nobody's listening to them, you know, you could use this excuse that it's a pandemic, that we don't have time to plan and prepare, that we're doing the best we can, all of these cliches. But that's the job you signed up for. When times are tough, it shows what kind of person you are. Are you going to make excuses or are you going to figure out solutions? And it just shows that, no, they they can't do it. We need better leadership in the DOE. We need people that can have educated conversations with parents. And I feel like they're speaking down to them, but they're listening to them. You're taking what they're saying in consideration. You know, knowing the DOE, you can see you have a lot of good people, a lot of people that care, a lot of people that want to see children grow and develop and become educated. And there's a lot of good people, but they get they get stymied and they get, you know, stonewalled because of policy 
and following a blended model that makes no sense for their particular school. You want to do square foot calculations, but each school is different. You're relying on principles to figure it out. And that is that is unfair. And I don't blame the principals. I don't blame the teachers. I don't blame administrators at the local schools. I blame the leadership at the upper echelons of the DOE. This just shows that you can't handle adversity right. It took you forever to close the schools. When you knew, when you knew you should have, you were putting all these people's lives at risk. Continue to do so. You should be ashamed of yourself. You failed at your job. You want to create you want to create plans that make no sense and you want to tell principals to tailor it to their schools. How could they? I feel sorry for the principals at all of the schools that have to come through with this because it's it's not fair to them. I do have the confidence that the principals will do their best to take care of everybody. The teacher unions will hopefully ensure that teachers are safe and that they have a voice, that they're not being bullied to be in unsafe conditions. Even the people you don't see that's behind the scenes working in the cafeteria, that's cleaning the schools, the engineers, I just, you know, I hope we could all come together and support one another. It's, you know, I was talking to a colleague of mine and this, this pandemic is going to lead to educational stagnation. It's going to put our kids in a situation where if they were falling back, they're going to fall even further back. And what could we do to you know, prevent it. It's pretty much a year now that it's going to be a year back as they don't have the proper support and learning model. It sucks. But we got to support each other as a community. We got to help each other. We have to make sure that we take care of one another. We can't keep isolating ourselves, staying in a house. We got to look out for the next person. You got to make sure these kids make it. I'm going to do my best to make sure my kids make it. And I'm going to do my best to help everybody that comes in my path. I will make sure that I contribute all that I can to help everybody that I can. I will apply myself. Because I'm scared of what the future looks like right now. I don't want to see our kids suffer. Follow us on social media, UESNYS. Check out the website, UESNYS.com. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Thank you for listening.